Hey, we've said that you're going to hear some good stuff on May 5th, some important information about the future of this church and in preparation for the direction of our church. Uh, in the future, we've, we've been studying the church. Okay? So let's review. Let's review. Uh, according to Acts chapter 2, we've discovered and we define in part what the church a, a body of believers with a common belief who's gathered together in one place to worship the one and only true God looks like. That's a mouthful for just saying church, isn't it? Okay? But that's a church, okay? We've discovered the truth that when we grow in our relationship spiritually, we are committing to change. There's a committed change going on. Just as your children grow up and they grow out of their clothes, we spiritually grow up and we grow out of our spiritual clothes, so to say. And uh, we, we move and we change. Now we've studied about the church being consecrated, which means holy or set apart. And we said holiness requires separation from one thing, but also requires, requires separation to another thing. Okay? We said holiness is new people, it's new practices, it's, it's new pursuits to be added to replace our old life, our old pursuits, our old practices. We abandon our unholy ways and we pursue a holy God. That's being consecrated. So we've got that committed change. We've got that consecrated uh, look at ourselves, a, a set-apart, a holy look. And then we studied what it means to be courageous. In a world of fear and worry, uh, the church has to stand courageously with hope and with peace. And finally, last week, we, we were reminded that being a church means we're charitable. That's part of our DNA. As a body of believers, we give honor to God by giving. And we discovered that all this as we looked at Acts chapter 2, the early church. So in the last four, five weeks, basically in a nutshell, that's what we have studied in God's Word. Okay? Now with all that in mind, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, Old Testament. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We will bring one to you. Go to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges. You're there. Judges chapter 6. As I prayed and prayed and prayed about what to share today before we share the plans for the church, this is something that just God kept laying on my heart. Can't run away from it, right? Matter of fact, I found this little three by five. It was in my Bible. It's been there probably, I'm going to say, at least 10, maybe 12, if not 15 years. And it was very, con oh, I guess this way God works. I pulled out a three by five out of my, on my side pocket in my Bible. So I need something to mark this spot in Judges 6. I pulled out. Ah, oh, here it is. I'm going on a mission trip today. Dot, dot, dot. I pray that I will be righteous, courageous, bold, genuine, and joyful. My mission field is my school. I think that I must have written that back when I was a youth pastor working with teenagers and as a reminder to the teens that guess where your mission field is today, kids? It's your school. And it's probably about the time on one of my trips when I went to the Dominican Republic that I said, you know, I'm going overseas, but guess what? Every day I get to go somewhere on a mission trip. And I thought, how appropriate I pulled it out because really that's sort of what we're talking about today. Okay? Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Understand this. Let me give you background. God has freed his people from Egypt. Remember that story with Moses? They wandered around in the desert for many years. They settled in a promised land. They began a new life, new direction, living for their almighty God. 
Unfortunately, life isn't always easy or planned out as we hoped it to be. Things don't pan out. Circumstances change. And the people began to wander away from God. So God established various judges, as we called them, who came along to the people and said, let's get you back on track with God. So when we go to the book of Judges, chapter 2, Judges chapter 2, I want to start reading in verse 16. Judges 2, verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their enemies. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but they prostituted themselves to other gods, bowing down to them. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. Verse 18. Whenever the Lord placed a judge over Israel, he was with that judge, and he rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. You know, when I read through that scripture, I think about this, how in this moment in time, as you're reading this, God's people turned away from him. And it's hard to understand. I mean, how could they do this? Isn't it so evident that there's an almighty God who loves them, who took pity on them, who freed them and rescued them, and then here we go, I'm just going to wander away from God. And what did they follow? It says they, they turned to their, their possessions, their good luck charms, their idols, which was basically their items of security. And we sit there and say, I don't have any false idols. I don't have any little images made out of gold or silver. Or I don't have anything placed above my mantle. And it's like, actually we do. They just don't look like the idols of then. Our, what are our, our items of security today? Well, it could be money. It could be a sport. It could be another possession. It could be a car. It could be a person. We place our security in a lot of things other than God. When we do that, we end up wandering away from God. And you think about this, why? Why is this? Because these were false gods, and today we have false gods. We just don't call them false gods. Why would they do that? For pleasure? Yes. It's appealing. Sometimes it's just a lack of discipline, or maybe it's just selfishness. I just want this. Why not? What if we just trusted God to begin with? I mean, how much suffering could we eliminate in our lives, in our nation, if we would just eliminate a lot of those false pursuits? Unfortunately, it's, it's difficult, right? We're not as disciplined as we want to be for God. So for a multitude of reasons, these people chose not to live like God's people in the same way sometimes it happens with us. So God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a period of time here where I'm just placing judges over you. I'm going to bring somebody along, like a pastor. We're going to call him a judge. They're going to be in charge of the people. He will live and he will direct. And that wasn't just men, but there were some women too who came in and they helped give direction. So God set in order this period of judges to help keep these people back on track. Now, when we get to judges here, if you look at this in judges, there's a cycle that continues for a while. They follow the judge. They listen. And then they fall away. And then they face a time of rebellion, and then they face a time of punishment, and then they repent, and they come back to the new judge and what he's saying, and then they, the cycle just sort of goes over and over, okay? But we get to Judges chapter 6. So if you would, turn a few pages over to Judges chapter 6. Because God judges, chooses a new judge now. God chooses a new person to help lead his people away from sin into a righteous and holy life. And this is the passage where God's brought me to today. Judges chapter 6, 
verse 12. And this is, uh, understand that uh, an angel of the Lord came and appeared to Gideon, verse 12. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Why don't we read that and then we'll continue on, okay? The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord's with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? I mean, didn't they say, the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. I love that passage. Let me tell you why, okay? Because I love how God approaches Gideon. And he reveals to Gideon his identity, his commander, and his security. Okay? Repeat after me. His identity, his commander, his security. Let's talk about his identity first, okay? First of all, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, and he looks at Gideon, and he calls him what? Mighty hero. You are a man of valor, a man of courage, strength, ability. This is how God sees Gideon. Sometimes we forget that God created us to be great and gave us purpose. Sometimes we get sort of swallowed up in self-pity and depression and, and lack of confidence in who we are and what we've been created to do that we doubt what God has called us to. And God has to step into our life and say, uh-uh, mighty hero, throw back your shoulders, lift up your chin. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God strength and ability and valor. I created you for greatness, for purpose. Why are you lowering your head? But we do that all the time because we've been talked down to so much by so many people or we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see or we, we fell out of job, we didn't do this right, we had a bad relation, something went wrong and all of a sudden this is who I am. No, you're not. That's the devil talking to you. Don't listen to him. He's a liar. God, who is not a liar, who does not lie, who does not change, says, no, you were created for purpose. You were created for greatness. And so he approaches Gideon, because Gideon was hiding at the time. He was threshing in, in, a, in a hidden place. He was doing his work in a hidden place so he wouldn't be captured or seen by the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appears to him and says, I need to remind you who you are. Repeat after me, my identity. This is about our identity now, who you are in Christ who you are in Christ, okay? Here's the next thing the angel of the Lord reveals, and that is his commander. Let me hear you say his commander. And let me hear you say my commander. Because this is your commander too. And that is the Lord. Who is God? He's the almighty Lord. And he says to him, he says in this verse, he goes, mighty hero, the Lord. When he said the Lord, he used the word Jehovah. That is the proper name of the one and only true God. He went right to the top. This is who I'm talking about. I don't want you to be confused with anybody else. We're talking about Jehovah. That is your commander. Supreme God. No other God. No other substitutes. And, and I didn't give this verse to Dan to throw up here, but in Ephesians 3.20 it says this. He says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty work to work within us to accomplish all things, infinitely more than we can ever ask of him. That's Jehovah. That's our mighty God who can do more than we could ever dream of. Why? Because he's the supreme God. Repeat after me. My identity. My commander. 
Let's understand this, first of all, that we are created for greatness. We have identity that's locked in Jesus Christ. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are locked into that identity with Him, okay? And then they said, what, my commander, you serve, I serve a mighty God, Jehovah. Mighty, strong, powerful. You just keep the words rolling. There's too many of them in there to describe an incredible God. And finally, his security. Let me hear you say, my security. My security is not in my money. My security is not in my bank. My security is not in my house. My security is not in my family. My security is not in my job. My security is not in what I do. My security is found in the Lord. The commander of the Lord is with you, is what the angel of the Lord told Gideon. Jehovah is with you. You are not alone. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not alone. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a good thing? Because we often feel alone. We often feel alone. And we wonder, how is this going to happen? And, and we, we lose our, our sense of identity and who our commander is and our security. And I love how the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, mighty hero, Jehovah, the Lord, is with you. Know who you are. Know who your commander is. And know where your security lies. The angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. It doesn't change him. He just awakes him to who he is and what is true. You're God's great creation. You are strong and brave. You're under the commission of the one and only true God. And you're not alone in this. Listen, if you've enlisted, you are on a mission. Just as Kathy was sharing, you know, when, when those kids go off, guess what? They're on a mission. They've got what they need to do it. And they're not alone. They can accomplish it. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. Blah, blah, blah. That's all, folks. Rescue them from the Midianites. I am sending you. Look at that last part. That's the most important part, not the part that I stumbled on. I am sending you. Hey, Gideon, guess what? You have identity in Christ. You have a commander. You have security. Now here's your mission. Here's your mission. Go. Take the strength you have. Take, take the resources that God's given you. Now go do something mighty with it. See, when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we aren't finished. You know, it bothers me when we say, okay, for those of you who want to give your life to Jesus Christ, repeat this prayer to me. Let's pray. That's like, boom. Hey, we're done. Sweet. You're in. That's good enough. No, it isn't. That's just the beginning. When you confess your sins to a holy God and you start that new relationship with Him, you're just beginning the mission. You're beginning this journey, an incredible thing that's going to take place. And we're given a mission by our great commander, our one and only true God, our King of kings. We have a mission. Repeat after me. Who, me? Yes, you. This could have been like a Dr. Seuss saying, you know, who, me? Yes, you. If not you, who? Yeah, that just sounds like a Dr. Seuss thing, right? But it's true. Because we say that, you say, you're talking about me. Yes, I'm talking about you. Because really, if it's not you, who is it? Who is it? Ask, your, ask yourself this question. Why are you at your workplace? Why has God placed you where you're at throughout the week? Well, I really don't work in one place. I work in a couple places. Well, why has he put you in those places? Well, I really don't have a place to work. I'm at home. Well, why has he put you in your home? Why are you there? 
It's not an accident. Do you really believe that you're there just to make money? If so, you're wrong. I'm wrong. It's more than that. God has placed you where you're supposed to be because you're on a mission. And when you take hold of that mission, your workplace, your family, your home, the places you visit, has a whole new look to it. You are, you are more than you believe, and our church is more than we know. It really is. See, we're not just a replacement church, okay? Understand that. We're not a stop along the highway to the next church. Our church is not a, just a place to blend in. Why well, I, I can sort of just sort of scoot in the back and front wherever, you know, and then get out of here and not have to say anybody. No. It's not a place to feel comfortable. There are Sundays, there are things that I preach on that I'm uncomfortable about, so I know you're not very comfortable with certain things. It's not just a place to run to and run in and out of. It's not a checklist, well, I got that done for the week. I can go do something else now. Church is more than that. Our church is a body, a group of people on a mission. Like Gideon, he has called us, church family. We are his mighty heroes. And every time you show up Sunday morning, every time I show up Sunday morning, you are acknowledging and I'm acknowledging that we are on a mission and we're commissioned by the one in charge and we are equipped to be victorious because he is with us. Amen? Amen. And yet we make excuses why we can't be victorious and we make excuses why we can't follow the commands. Look at verse 15. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I'm the least in, I, in our entire family. Excuse, excuse, excuse. What did the Lord say to him? Look at the next verse. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. Repeat after me. With me. Absolutely. God is with you. So every time we come up with an excuse, but Lord, but Lord, what does God say back to us? I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, the first thing Gideon is saying is really is, how? How am I going to do this? See, whenever God calls us to do something mighty for him, we always step back and we say, really? How? How's that going to happen, God? Gideon doesn't see how it could possibly be done because he doesn't have an ounce of a solution in his pocket. He doesn't have to. Well, God, I don't, I don't have all these things, you know, and I, I was voted least likely to succeed in school. I've got, I'm from the smallest clan. I'm, I'm the weakest. And God says, good. I like weakness because then you can see my strength. For some reason, we think we've got to be all strong and we've got to be super Christians or something like that to be successful for God. God just wants you where you're at regardless of where you're at. When we acknowledge that we are on our own and we're weak and we can't do it, that's when God steps in and says, I'm with you. Now that you understand I'm with you, doesn't that change the odds now? Absolutely. Yes. In church, as I said before, we are on a mission. We are mighty believers for Jesus Christ. We are saints of God. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we are children of the Almighty Lord, and we take commission from the King of Kings. He's called us to live committed, consecrated, courageous, and charitable lives for Him. That's part of our mission. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are devoted to prayer. We are devoted to fellowshipping with each other, the breaking of bread, the pulling ourselves and saying, I am going to be separated from this because I'm separated to him. We can't stay where we are. There's no such thing as a complacent Christian. There's no such thing as an apathetic apostle. There are no fickle followers. We are mighty warriors, men and women of valor. 
And we can do these great things for his kingdom because he is with us. These stories from the Bible are not just stories of the past. They are stories of now. And we forget that the God in the Bible is the God of now. And the God of tomorrow. He doesn't change. Never will. So as we are on a mission, and I sit here and think about this and, and have toiled over this, and God, what do I say to the church this morning before we present our vision and mission? That's what I wanted to say to you. The Lord is with us. Has been from day one. Will be tomorrow. He's given us a vision and a mission for this church, and I'm excited to share with you that there are three parts to this mission for our church. Our vision doesn't change. Our mission is sort of like the objectives, how you get to the vision. Okay? So I want you to listen carefully. I want you to listen closely. This is what many of you have been waiting to hear for a month. Some of you have been waiting to hear this for a couple years. Some of you have been waiting for six years to hear this day. Okay? Our mission and our journey includes three things. Okay? Listen carefully. Three things. Evangelism, discipleship, and a building plan. Now, two of those are non-negotiable, one's negotiable. Two of those we're not going to vote on. One of them we will vote on. Sounds like Sesame Street, right? What are these things don't belong? Okay. Here's the thing. All three of them belong. Okay. The two non-negotiables, evangelism and discipleship, there's, there's no negotiation on that one. No negotiation on that one. Okay. Beginning midsummer, our church is going to take some strong steps towards training our sh- ourselves to share our faith. Matter of fact, we're bringing in a gentleman from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, somebody who uh, I, I truly trust and have, and have listened to and read, and he's going to come, he's going to take a day with us and just train us in evangelism. We've got to get better at sharing our faith starting here. Okay? So we're going to bring somebody in. We're going to commit ourselves to sharing our faith because if we truly love God and if we truly love others, if I love others, guess what I'm sharing with others? The love of God. To say that I love somebody but I won't share my faith with them, you don't love them. Right? Let's be real. Well, I know I love them. I just, I'm a little scared to say something. If your friend's about ready to drive off a cliff, are you not going to put on the brakes in their car and tell them to stop? Yes, you would do that. In the same way, we need to share our faith, the love of God with others. So, non-negotiable. That's the first step, evangelism. Second step is discipleship. Okay? We talked about what if each of us took one person and just discipled them. And you get a little nervous about that, right? We'll help you. We'll train you on how to do that. Matter of fact, We'll start off easy. We're maybe just with somebody else in the church. Just disciple one another as we disciple you. But then, as you share your faith with others, you then disciple those you share your faith with. Non-negotiable. If we truly love God, and we truly love others, we're going to share our faith with them, and we're going to help them grow as we grow as well. Amen? Non-negotiable. That's where we're going. Okay? The third one is negotiable, which is a building plan. Okay? Now, that third part of our mission uh, the building, a future home for True North, that's what I would call a larger toolbox for us to use as a mission. Okay? At this point in time, Pastor Dan's going to come up here. He's going to share with you basically the process and the result of a committed team. Okay? Six years of a vision, 21 months of work. You're going to see a picture, you're going to see a price tag, and you're going to see a proposal. That's the part of the third part of our mission. Okay? He is going to... Uh, carefully, strategically share this all out with PowerPoint and a little bit more. Anything else I need to say? All yours. Enjoy.
I think he laid out, a, <clears throat> Pastor Rex laid out a definitely two, the two great non-negotiables, and I get to lay out the negotiable. So um, if somebody wants to hit the lights, we will start um, with a nice little slide that is a nice little filler slide. And it's basically, this is our strategic plan. This is where we're headed. Um, before we got started on where we were headed, uh, the elders sat down almost two years ago, and they said, um, these are the three things that we want to accomplish. We want to find a building, a space, a property where True North can worship, meet for weekday activities, and have office space. And as we uh, worked through those processes, we had to decide how big of a building, we had to decide how much land, we had to you know, work through that whole thing. So that was the first uh, thing that the elders uh, put onto the building committee that they wanted them to talk about. The second thing, the property should fit True North's mission, vision, and values. We are a church that I, I would like to say cares more about the people that aren't in church than cares about us looking good. I mean, unfortunately, uh, that has come through with us meeting in some places that sometimes were less than desirable. I mean, I can remember when we first started meeting in the movie theater. It was take down the speakers quick and get out because they're going to be starting the movie in five minutes. I can remember meeting at the Leggett Street, and it was a very simple setup there. And wherever we've went, we have made the main mission the main mission, loving God, loving others. So it should fit True North's mission. In other words, we didn't want to build a big coliseum to ourselves. So that was the second thing. Um, the third thing was do this without going into debt. Uh, we have struggled with this one, um, but we've, we kind of decided upon this one for two reasons. One, we've been encouraging everyone in the church to go through Dave Ramsey's um, Financial Peace University, and in that he, he says that you should live debt-free. And if we're going to encourage people to go through Dave Ramsey, if we're going to get behind what he stands for, then it would be kind of foolish as a church body to say, now we're going to go take out a big loan. So those were the three things that we decided upon. Uh, the building committee, this is where they get all a little uncomfortable. Uh, what happens was the elders sat down and for three months they put names out and then ultimately we came together and we voted on these names. So I'm going to read off the names. If your name's already up there, you can stand on up and help me. Justin Damon, Lindsey Huner, Mark Robinson, Amy Rickner, and Wendell Wood. If you guys would stand up. I know this is awkward. Okay. So these are the, the folks that were entrusted with uh, starting this process. Thanks so much for standing. And each and every one of them brought a different expertise, a different uh, thought process to it. Um, I was amazed at the group that God brought together. The process. The process. Over the last 18 months, this committee has met together, sometimes once a month, sometimes a couple of times a month. And really, they, they were meeting together just to dream. You know what? Let's drive around Wasion. Let's see what buildings are open. Let's see what properties are open. Let's ride them all down. And uh, I felt bad. I'm going to pick on Justin here. Not being from Wasion, most of the time he was trying to play catch up and going, where's this property? And then We'd get in the vehicle and we'd all drive around and we'd look at them. And over the course of that 18 months, we really uh, separated it down to about three or four properties. 
And then we started calling because some of these properties that we had envisioned weren't on the market, weren't for sale. And we thought, you know, let's start calling these people and see if these properties are even for sale. Um, let's, you know, think outside of the box. You know, let's look at everything. Let's not leave anything untouched. So uh, 10 to 15 properties over the first six months were looked at. Then we decided, you know what, uh, we think we have this narrowed down to about three or four projects. We are going to start talking to some builders, some architects, and start getting some plans, getting some thoughts from them. Uh, the builders that we considered were McKnight. Uh, McKnight Group out of Columbus, they have built a lot of churches around this area. Um, they have been involved with uh, some building projects. So a great opportunity. And each of these builders came in and they sat down with us for realistically about eight hours. They looked at all the properties, you know, gave us their honest dis, um, discussion on it, honest thoughts on it. So it was a very cool thing. Um, they, and they did that all for free um, in the hopes of ultimately uh, being a, their, the builder for this project. So McKnight was the first one. Perry Roop. Perry Roop came in, a uh, great local guy, really shared his thoughts, his expertise. and. The last group we met with was Building God's Way FED. Uh, we met with them. They've come down now several times, and ultimately we ended up going with Building God's Way FED. We went with them because their ideas and innovation. They uh, have been building churches for about 25 years now, and they want, they're truly into thinking outside the box. They wanted to you know, make this building be more than something that would be um, it would be something that was used all the time. Cost savings. They are the second largest buying group in the United States behind Walmart. They have a warehouse for a warehouse that buys stuff. So that was one of the reasons we went with them. They could buy things far cheaper than any other group that we talked to could. And then the last reason we went with them was they were ministry minded. They actually. Um, want the project to be in ministry. When they have uh, builders come in, they want us to minister to the builders. They said that it's not uncommon for them to have five to 10 people that are, that are building the project to actually come to Christ during that time because the church actually steps up and goes out and ministers to them. So that was some awesome things. We finalized on. By this time, after meeting with um, these groups, presenting the projects, really we had this down to two pieces of property. Well, actually, when the groups came in, we had it down to one property, and we actually thought we were going to be buying some land and building a building. Um, and as we were driving around with uh, McKnight Group, we showed them one of the buildings that we thought was off the list. It was just too expensive, you know, too much work. And McKnight Group said, you really ought to look at this building. And we asked them, why is that? And they said, the cost for a building on bare ground is about $175 to $200 a square foot. And at this point, all of our jaws dropped. Um, at this point, he told us, your real cost comes in building parking lots. And I'm shocked by that. He started naming off parking lots in our town and telling us how much they cost and telling us that the parking lots and some of the places that we park all the time may cost more than the buildings that are built there. And 
you know, after that time, I picked my jaw up and I decided, okay, you know what, maybe we should start looking at some older properties. He said more, normally to renovate a property costs anywhere from $75 to $125 a square foot. So right off the top, if you buy a property and you renovate it, you could be saving anywhere from $50 to $75 a square foot. Plus, he also shared with us, if you renovate a building, you can renovate it and use it, renovate it and use it, renovate it and use it. And he goes, if you build a new building, you have to finish the whole project, then you can move in. So uh, that was one of the reasons why we ended up deciding that we should go with old. Uh, then we started looking at the mission, vision, and value of True North. And we started you know, seeing that we are a young church overall. We do have some people that are a little older. And um, most of the things, as you look around, you see that we are a sports church. We are a sports church. I mean, some of us either are athletes now. I won't point out any of the people wearing FCA Tigers baseball stuff. Some of us were athletes at one time, and some of us think we are athletes. And I'll point clearly at myself here. Keyword think. But as, as we thought about this, we thought, you know what? If we're an athletic church, we should reflect that in the, the mission and the building that we're going to have. The last thing that we looked at was ability to be debt-free. If we were to look at the new again, we would have to finish a project or wait until all the money came in to start the project. Or if we were to look at a, um, an existing building, we'd be able to renovate that and then slowly move into that building and ultimately see that work. So here's the point that everybody's like leaning forward. We finalized on the racquetball club. We decided on the racquetball club for a couple of reasons. The first reason, the building is on the market right now for $600,000, which is a big chunk of change. But that's $18 per square foot. If you think back to what I just said, building a brand new building, that's $175 to $200 a square foot. Um, so it's quite a bit cheaper. The utilities are present. The thing I forgot to mention back there was parking lots are expensive and running water lines and running electrical lines are expensive. You're looking at anywhere from $100,000 to $500,000 to run just water lines, to get roads in there, to get permits just to build that stuff. That stuff is already present there at the racquetball club. The last thing is it's on 10 plus acres um, of land. It is able to be expanded, it is able to be used, it is able to be rented out and farmed. That is a great thing. Now I'm gonna start showing you some pictures of what this building could look like. This is the racquetball club cleaned up. This is gonna be an outside view. This is just an artist rendering. Uh, this is some thoughts on what it looked like. I'm not gonna sit here and say, you know, that tree right there is gonna be exactly 23 feet tall. You know, I'm not going to say that's what it's going to, but this is an artist rendering of what that racquetball club could look like. Now, I know that most of you right after this are going to make sure you drive right past that building. The building doesn't look like that right now. It will take some, some work. That's, that phase right there, if we were to look at it, is down the list of phases. That's something that would probably be towards the end it would look like. Next slide. This is what the uh, parking lot would look like. Right now, 
There is a parking lot that's built for about 25 to 30 cars there. It's a gravel parking lot. We would have to uh, get the permits. We would have to get the plans from the city to be able to gravel that and make that a usable parking lot while we expand. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, parking for 114, 41 people, isn't that a little high? All I have to say is I've went out during service and counted cars. It is amazing how many cars are outside. We have anywhere from 100 to 120 cars every Sunday outside. So that's right on. Here's another view of it. Uh, you can see that there is a little pop-out right there. That would be some office space and really a nice, easy entry. Uh, as we talked with the builders, they told us that we needed to make sure that the, the place where you enter a building is very apparent. And anybody that's ever went to a business or a organization where the entrance hasn't been apparent is walking around the building kind of going, how do I get in this place? So th that would be a nice, simple way to show that this is way into the building. This would be a picture of the third space. The third space, the thinking behind the third space, the thinking behind the uh, name of the third space is we all have two spaces. The first space would be our home. The second space would be where we work. The third space is where we congregate when we have free time. And I know that over um, the years, the church has kind of moved out of the place where people congregate as third space and became more of the fourth or fifth space. We would really like to see this building used each and every day by different groups, by different people in our community, and we would really like to see this become the third space. We'd like to see this become the place where, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing tonight, but I think I'd like to go hang out there because there's going to be something happening there. Moving right along, it's another picture of the front from a different view. I don't know who the black silhouette people are, but I, just, I do think they look kind of funny, but it definitely gives you a point of reference at how big of a thing that is. The next one is the view of the sanctuary. This sanctuary would sit roughly about 400 people. Yeah, I know. Wow. But uh, if, if anybody's ever been here on you know Christmas, Easter, and all that, you see that we have about 300, 340 people here. So it's definitely a, a space that we would fill up very quickly. Another one would be the master plan. And this is the one that I think is really cool and goes along with our vision. As you can see up there, the sanctuary, the classrooms, everything that's happening seems to be happening over to this side, where on the other side there seems to be basketball courts and a turf field. Um, as we were speaking with them, they said, wow, what an awesome opportunity to reach out to your community and reach your community through having basketball courts, through having turf, through you know doing soccer leagues and all that. And they said, not only is that an awesome opportunity to reach out to your community, that's an awesome opportunity to rent out your building and ultimately make a little bit of income off that. So we were, we were a little hesitant at first, but as we talked with them more, they, they explained to us that more and more churches are starting to rent out their facilities because there are these facilities being needed. Um, so I'll be glad to talk about that more some other time. Um, but I'm excited about the floor plan because realistically, it's, 
it would be one of those buildings that you would have to live in a shell, never to go inside if you play any sports, if you have anything to do um, with anything like that, because that big area could be rented out for um, multiple, multiple things. Also, that sanctuary, the seating can be taken down. It can be used for multiple things. There's a kitchen in there that could be rented out. There's a coffee shop in there that could be rented out. Lots and lots of awesome, awesome opportunities that could happen there. The next slide is the second uh, floor there. There is a little bit of a second floor at the racquetball club. Uh, we would utilize that. We would need to put some chair lifts in to make sure that is utilized. Um, the phases. The next thing is phases for True North. This is going to take 11 phases. Now, if you look up there, I didn't miscount. There are 10 phases on that sheet. And ultimately, everybody isn't really looking at the phases. I know they're looking at the final price tag at the bottom. I'm not, gonna, not going to think that you're looking through each and every one of those phases. Um, the first phase, the phase that isn't on there, is we have to acquire the building. And then after we reach phase three, we can be in the building using the building. Now, I'm going to throw out a rough number there. I didn't get my calculator out, and I don't have it down to the penny, but for $1.2 million, we can be in that building worshiping there, using it on Wednesday nights, and uh, using it as office space. That is a lot of money. I'm not going to sit here and say that is not a lot of money. But, but to have a 20,000-square-foot new building if you take $175 times 20,000 that's 3.5 million dollars if you were to add all those numbers together plus the cost of the building this building would cost to finish 3 million dollars so you have a building that is larger more usable but ultimately is cheaper Next steps, next steps. Um, we have jump drives and a post postcard um, that we have for everyone to pick up as they leave. If you see one of the elders, the elders are going to be standing back in the back with postcards. We also have paper copies. I know that some of us are very techy and love thumb drives. I would encourage your family to grab the thumb drive. If you're saying, computers and I don't get along, we have paper copies. Please grab a paper copy. Um, and please take them home and look at them. I know that I'm doing a quick overview. I know that I could get up here and share all of the awesome opportunities in a building like this, but I think it's ultimately a good thing for you guys to look through. Next thing I'd ask you guys to do is pray. Um, I know that every church I've ever been part of, when a building committee uh, gets up front and shares. They're excited. They're excited about the mission. They're excited about everything that's happening. But at the same time, I've looked at these, I've seen these, and I've had some time to digest them. I know that some of you are going, that's a lot of money, and I'm not really sure. Take it home and pray about it. That's all that I'm asking. I'm not trying to sway your decision one way or the other. Um, if you have questions, concerns, comments, please come to the building committee, those guys that stood up, those gals that stood up. Please come to myself. Please come to Pastor Rex. Ask us your questions. We're open. We want to have a conversation about this. Um, 
Next steps, con continuing. Um, June 2nd, June 28th, August 25th, after church. Uh, I don't have the exact times down yet, but we are asking that you would come out to the racquetball club and check it out. Um, you could bring out your uh, bell bottoms and your disco shoes and all that because if you have been out there lately, it is still in the 1970s mode. But, but, that is an overcomable ob obstacle. But we'd say come out there with your jump drive, a paper copy, walk through the building and look at it. Dream, think about it. We will, we are moving slowly. We don't want anyone to think that we are going to plow ahead and push this building. We want you to think, pray about it. But um, on September 29th, we are, as a congregation, going to vote on that. I think it's important that um, everyone know that that's, that's the date that we've set down the vote. We know that this project will take five to eight years to complete and finish and do it in debt free. Um, and I, I can't overestimate how important that, that debt free is because the last thing that I would ever want this church to get into is a building project that's over their heads. Last slide that isn't up there, but I want to mention is we feel that we need to be praying as a congregation for this. And we're in the process of looking at some dates. We'd like to do four dates on the weekends that we look at the building and then on the weekend that we ultimately vote on the building for 24-hour uh, prayer times. That's times when everyone in the church would sign up to take an hour. They would show up, and they would just pray about the next steps. Pray that this is where uh, God is leading, and pray that ultimately we would vote on that. And we'd let God lead there. So thanks so much for listening. You now have the results of 18 months of diligent research and study and hard work focus group. And, uh, and I really appreciate the building committee, the leadership that have, have taken time to do this. Um, it's going to take a little more time. It's going to take a lot more resources. But more importantly, as Dan said, prayer um, and commitment. I want you to know um, that we're going to give you time to digest this and pray on it. Okay? Will everyone be on board on this? Probably not. And that's okay. That's okay. Please don't walk away from this church just because you don't like what you just saw. Um, come talk to us. We're here to listen. Uh, the church plans on following God, not man. And if you don't know, if you don't know us by now, hopefully you've learned from, from leadership is, um, is that our ears are open to listen and we're not moving forward if God's not moving forward. That's why we're taking time. That's why we're going to have those four dates where we're just going to take 24 hours and pray. If God's in this, it's going to happen. Okay? If God's in this, it's going to happen. And if God's not in it, it's not going to happen. You don't have to worry about anything. If you're fully committed to God and you're following Him, you get to go along on this journey and on this mission. You've seen the plans for prayer and preparation, you know, before we even cast a vote. And as I said, nobody's voting today. And I know some of your prayers are going to be, yes, yay God, man, this is exciting, you know. And some are going to say, no, not another one. I just got through that last one, the last church I was at, you know. It's going to be all over the place. We understand that, okay? And for those of you who've been, you know, through this before, please do me a favor. Be positive through this, all right? If your first inclination is, uh, keep it to yourself. And then take it to God. Facebook is not the place. I, I have a hard time with people who like to share 
uh, their, their wars on Facebook. I expect you to be mature in how you handle this. If you don't like it, take it to God. Okay? I, I, I still remember wrestling in seventh grade. Um, I had a wrestless kid by the name of Claude Donati. Okay? Right away you should know that I'm already going to get beat. Okay? <laughs> in high school, this guy was a state champ. Okay? Claude Donati. Name like that, yeah, I'm going down. All day during that day at school, I had kids come to me, you're wrestling Claude. You're so beat, you know. All day, I heard all day negative, you're defeated, you're defeated. Guess what? When I got out on that mat, don't even try to picture it, okay? <laughs> Singlets are ugly. Um, and I looked across at Claude, I was already defeated. I mean, and it's funny, I just ran into an old high school buddy just a month ago over at Defiance College. We are talking, he goes, dude, you remember when you wrestled Claude? It's <laughs> like, How, why are you bringing this up? And he goes, you were so beat before you ever got out there. And that's the first time I ever heard anybody say that. He knew it. He recognized because all day I'd been talked down and defeated. So when I walked on the mat, I was already gone. And I was. I was pinned in like, I don't know, 30 seconds. My mom was sitting next to Claude's mom. She didn't know. And she leans over and says, that boy struggled longer than most kids do. <laughs> she didn't know my mom was sitting there. And I was like, yeah, I was a better struggler before I got pinned. But I heard all the negative comments, so I never dreamed of being victorious. So my friends, you know, listen, if the first thoughts are negative, just keep them to yourself and pray to God about it. That's all I ask, okay? And then come talk to us about it. Share that with us. I'm, we're all open. I mean, it's like, I don't like it. Bring it. Bring it. I will open ears. Listen, okay? Here's another thing you need to know from Dan and I, and is this. I'm committed to you full time. I know my, my title and my salary and all that isn't full-time, okay? I'm committed to you full-time through this. If God's in this, I want to be a part of it. And I'll be committed to the end of it. And beyond it, I pray. Okay? But you need to hear that from me. Because um, I know sometimes money is a concern, but listen, if you're in God's business and you invest in God's business, and as I said, God, God, God's going to take care of this, He'll show us how, okay? And uh, this is not going to be a manipulative sale. You're not going to hear us for the next four months saying, we just had this building. We could reach one more kid for Christ. You don't want kids, you know, dying and going, to, you know. We're not going to do that. I, I, I sniff those out whenever somebody talks to me about stuff and it drinks, it makes me mad. It's like, oh, yeah, what are you going to do now? Drink the Kool-Aid too? Uh, no. Um, so you're not going to hear manipulative sermons from myself or anybody else between now and September. Um, we're going to pray, okay? And like Gideon, we're on a mission. And that's the biggest thing I want you to hear. We can't stay where we are any longer. We're not going to be complacent Christians or uh, apathetic apostles or fickle followers. If God's called us on a mission, we're moving forward. Evangelism, discipleship, and if a building, so be it. Okay? But I do know this. We're moving forward. In July, we'll have that training. The discipleship, we're going to move forward. Okay? Worship team, would you please come forward? Okay? So as we are moving forward in these things, um... I want you to understand this. It, the building is going to be a great resource, but it's not the building who saves people. And you're going to hear that from me, okay? God's Spirit does all the changing. We are the vessels for that He works through, and the rest is just great resources. It really is, okay? Resources always catches people's attention, and relationships make it legit, but it's the Spirit of God that makes it happen. And that's what we're praying for, is that this is crystal clear. So as you have uh, mixed emotions... Okay? 
You're going to walk out of here, there's some big drawings on the back wall. You go, wow, that looks cool. You know, it's, uh, I'm not sure. You know. Mixed emotions. I understand it, okay? So here's what I ask. Respect each other's emotions, okay? Talk to leadership about this. Don't complain to strangers. This is a True North family issue, okay? Pray before you speak. Pray before you speak. Okay. Um, from the day that Dan and I stood before some of you who were in the movie theater with us when we began way back then, okay, to this present day, our vision hasn't changed, okay, and will not change. We asked you one thing when we first started this church, and that's to follow God. I ask you today for one thing, follow God. That's all I ask. We're on a spiritual journey where God takes us. Uh, we do not want to be derailed by um, our own personal feelings or anything else that Satan could toss our way. I'm excited about what God's going to do through evangelism, through discipleship, and the possibility of a building. It could be a great thing. Regardless, we pray about it. We pray about it. And seek God out on this one. Amen? Would you please stand? And let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity we've had today. And Lord, I you know, it sort of felt like a, another one of those family meetings more than it did maybe a worship service. But Lord, I thank you for as we we're able to sing to you as we worship you and we're able to open up scripture, Lord, and just be reminded of Gideon and the fact that, Lord, you, you have an identity for us. You are our commander. And, Lord, you are with us. And, and we need to know that because sometimes we forget our identity and we forget, you know, that you're the commander. We forget our security. Lord, our security is in you. You are with us. And we are not going to stand around any longer. We've got a mission. We are in our workplaces for a reason. We are in our homes for a reason. We, we travel to restaurants and stores for a reason. It's not just to pick something up or to go make some money. You've given us the opportunity to share you with everybody. What a great mission. Lord, help us throw our shoulders back and lift our heads high and say, it's incredible to be a man or woman of God, knowing that the great commander, the King of kings, the Lord Almighty leads us and is with us. So Lord, we ask you for the next four months that you work in our hearts, you speak to us and reveal to us about where we go with a possible building, with a possible home for us. We want to follow you. We want to hear your spirit speak loud and clear through this, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the many that have served in preparing this. Bless them, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for many opportunities we will have from here out, wherever we are, to share you and the truth about a God who loves us and desires to save us. We sing a song to you now, Lord, as we worship you and you alone. In that name we pray. Amen.